country icon Janie Fricky today on the Music Universe podcast. Oh, Matt, today's guest is very exciting. Oh, she certainly is, and she's so exciting. Uh, your dogs know what's going on, and they're barking in the background. <laughs> yeah, they. I don't know. I think they're tired of the quarantine as well. Can, have you been able to walk them? Have they? Have you been able to take them far? What's um, been the deal there? I walk them as I feel up to it, only because they're large dogs, and I've got a tandem leash, and it's hard for one person to walk the two of them without being trampled on or pulled so they're not very get well jesse to get jesse to hold the other one well she takes the pomeranian i've got oh. five dogs and i walk three of them she takes five the, yes and three cats a guinea pig because one just passed and uh, a hamster so i've got a full Gosh, house you're like a you're like a mini joe exotic over there uh I... not exactly <laughs> uh yeah, not exactly. But she uh, she loves pets. She's wanting a ferret, and I'm like, nope. She's wanting a little pig. I'm like, nope. Maybe turtles because they're kind of cool. You know, put them in a, an aquarium. But uh, I I think we got enough. So I I do try to walk them, and I I would like to do more of that because Lord knows I could use the exercise. But um, <laughs> I just I just haven't made the time, and they just pull me too much sometimes to do it. But uh, I'll 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 get out there. No, I asked because I saw I saw a meme on Facebook the other day that said it was a dog on top of it was a pretty big dog on top of like kitchen cabinets, like literally at the <laughs> very top. And it said and it said, no, leave me alone. I've been walked by everyone in this freaking family today. Oh, <laughs> stop. Yeah. yeah. Just to get out of the house. I get you. No, that that's my cats, though. They like to climb up in weird spots and you're wondering how in the world they got up there. But. You know, do you let no. them outdoors? Oh no, no, no. They've uh, I've taken them out right when we first got them. I uh, kind of held them just to get them, you know, held them outside just to let them get a taste of it. But they get in the windows and Lord knows whatever else. So they uh, they kind of get a little taste of it. But no, I don't I don't let them out. I'm afraid they won't come back. That's fair. All right. Well, our guest today, I love her work. Uh, I love her songs. There was an and this is what I was trying to get into her, with her a little bit. Uh, she kind of touches on this. There was an era of country music, about 20, 30 years of, of female country music, where the songs were mm -hmm. better than some of the stuff the men were writing about. Right. Um, you know, you, you had you had George Jones writing beer songs. Well, you had Tammy Wynette singing about, stand by your man. I and can't then, sing. Then divorcing uh, him later. Yeah. It, well, irony. Um, <laughs> and just such, so many, Bobby Gentry doing Billy Joe Ode to Billy Joe, which is, yeah, uh, is just could be about anything you want it to be. Right. And you have Janie and her her slew of hits, eighteen number ones, and we talk about a couple of those. And you know her era also too. Jeannie Seely had some very emotional ballads. The women of the seventies and eighties that was. That was the women's era in country music, and so right. I, I just love her. And she has a great duet with Mo Bandy that I just love, and it was such a thrill to talk to her. Yeah, she was a blast. Um, we did touch on a couple of things that, um, you know, sometimes the information isn't always right there, um, you know, about being a jingle singer and stuff. So um, we, we touch on that. 
and uh, just we didn't talk too much about the quarantine. She kind of didn't seem like she wanted to dwell on that. So we uh, mm-hmm. we kind of pushed beyond that. But, uh, you know, uh, she's ready to get back out there and get on the road. But she is taking that this time and kind of, you know, just taking it in. Janie Fricky, welcome to the Music Universe podcast. How are you doing in these really unprecedented and unique times? Well, I imagine it's uh, the same feeling everybody has, uh, a little bit, a lot of uncertainty and worry, but uh, just constantly trying to find things to avoid those dark questions that are lurking around and just uh, try to be positive and think of all the good things that we can do and and count our blessings. Absolutely. Now, you are from... First of all, you are one of my favorite female country singers all time. I love classic country music. I love that era. And I know you're from Indiana. And I'm just wondering what your influences were growing up, uh, coming from middle America, musically. Right. Uh, Good old Indiana, right in the heartland of the Midwest. And uh, we loved music when I was growing up. I think... We probably listened to and played every type of music there was because my family loved all forms of music. It wasn't just one. And so I was very fortunate in that um, because it was kind of a a bit of a musical family with mother being a piano player at church and dad teaching me how to play a little bit of acoustic guitar. So uh, we had music going a lot. And, of course, a record player (laughs) that was playing every every LP, every record that we could find and buy at the store at the time. And you've gone on to uh, record 18 number one hits. You've released 23 albums and 36 singles, multiple gold and platinum albums. What's that feel like to have that kind of uh, success from growing up from uh, Indiana? You know, it's, I look back at it and sometimes I'm amazed. It's almost like a dream uh, that I didn't even know I had a dream for all of that. It just sort of was by a lot of luck and a lot of blessings that those dreams did come true. And I worked really hard at it, but I never realized what it would gain by all the hard work that I was doing. And my my desire to work in, in all different forms of music. So it was kind of interesting how it just sort of developed over the years. Uh, and every, every time something good happened like an award. Um, I just felt like it was just a, a great highlight in my life that I didn't even expect. Mm-hmm. And you started that journey with, uh, I know, singing backup on a lot of records and backup in live shows. I know I saw an interview where you talked about you were opening for Mickey Gilly, but you performed with him a lot as a backup singer. How did that transition happen for you going from background singer to out in front opening for these artists and then headlining yourself? Yeah, and let me correct that. I didn't actually sing backup uh, for Mickey mm-hmm. Gilly, but I had a chance to. One of my early shows was in his club called Gilly, oh, which wow. is a huge club in Pasadena, Texas. But uh, I did do several shows opening uh, for his show. But yeah, I was a backup singer in the studio, working mm-hmm. with all the major producers and working in a really great vocal group. And so we got to sing back up on a lot of records that were big records happening at the time um, in the early 80s, late 70s. 
And so that's what kind of formed my business savvy was to be able to do all the studio work. And at that time, I had no idea I would become a solo artist. And uh, staying with the backup singing part, you actually sang backup uh, on Elvis's final album, but you did it after he passed away. What was that like? I mean, that had to be tough. Yeah, actually, we started it while he was still alive. And we went in the studio to add harmony vocals onto his last concert. And so we were in the studio with his producer, Felton Jarvis. And we started the project and we were singing harmony parts to enhance and make his show sound bigger. Mm-hmm. Well, then in a couple of weeks, he died and he was gone. And we had to go back in the studio and finish it. And we were just devastated. We could hardly sing. We were just shocked and of course his producer was devastated and then not long after that he passed away too and i've been trying to find that that album and i cannot find the album anywhere but i know it's out there because someone came up and told me he had a copy of the album i was grocery shopping one day and i got a tap on the shoulder and some stranger i'd never met said that he saw my name on elvis's album and i said oh my goodness i've got to get that well I still haven't found it. <laughs> uh, have you heard of the website Discogs? No. It's a market worldwide marketplace for used and even new music. I'm pretty sure you could find it on there. Really? Yeah, it's like the eBay. Okay, well, I'm... It's like the eBay for music and movies or music, uh, CDs, records, and all that. Okay, great. Well, I'll keep trying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. In all of this fabulous career that you've had is there one person that um you think really believed in you and really helped you and really got you to where you could be the star that you you are we were talking about this with another guest that it it takes one person to to give you your yes and i'm just curious like i said about going from backup to headlining if there was a pinnacle moment or a pinnacle person where you did finally get to come out front and have those 18 number ones? That's a good question because I could actually say, yes, there were two people. One of them was the producer, Billy Sherrill at Columbia Records. And he knew about me being a backup singer. And he uh, was also producing Johnny Duncan at the time. And they let me come in and do a line on Johnny's record called Stranger. So I would say Johnny Duncan was also a person that gave me that start because then he had me sing on additionally about four more songs that he recorded and the disc jockeys at the time were jumping on that record in that sound because they didn't know who the girl was and it was kind of unusual to have a just a strange girl singer all of a sudden singing on records that were making number one spots so yeah i would say billy Sherrill, the producer and johnny duncan the artist it is so wonderful. The shows that you've done, is there an experience that stands out for you on the road, in the recording studio? Is there something that you hold dear? Special shows, special recordings, a favorite uh, a favorite moment? After all the years of doing my records and singing, singing harmony and also doing step-out Uh, solo lines on other people's records I think probably Mm -hmm. Merle Haggard 
to be able to work on Merle's records was mm-hmm. a definite highlight. And he did a show over here in Fort Worth at Billy Bob's, the big club. And he did his show live. Well, he asked me to come out on stage and sing my line on the song called Looking for a Place to Fall Apart. And so it's, it's on DVD. It was a live DVD that he, that he put out. So I'm really proud and excited that I had a chance to work with him that night, coming out on stage and being spotlighted because that was a, a very special highlight. Also, I had chances to open up shows for Merle Haggard and do concerts on the road with him when I had my own band with me. So that's just one incident of many, um, but that was a very special time. Yeah, I, I heard he's he was such a nice guy, and uh, he's well-missed, and uh, um, actually in Bakersfield, mm-hmm. and I know that's where he's from. Um, yeah. You know, you've, you've transitioned to a, a jingle singer uh, recently, and uh, what are some of the brands? Tell us about that and some of the brands that fans – uh, can you know hear well, your voice? Yeah, actually, I started out in the business doing jingles before I did anything else. Oh, really? Wow. Yes, I was a college student, and I was singing, playing my guitar, singing in a little club in Lexington, Kentucky. And some guy in the audience said, "You should be singing jingles in Memphis, Tennessee." And I said, "What?" <laughs> so I got the information. I got the name of the company. I called them up. I drove down there and I auditioned for the vocal group and got the job. And I signed, punched a time clock every morning and sang jingles with the vocal group for oh over a year. And that was our job. Then we punched out at 3.30. We sang thousands of commercials and jingles. And one of the first, it, first ones I did that was so exciting went to the moon. It was Apollo 12. Oh. And so we sang... We sang Apollo 12 with the weather, and it went up on the space shuttle, and it and it and we sang to the to the astronauts, and so that was their way to advertise for the for the ad company that I was working for. Yeah. And then later on, I moved to Nashville, and I had a chance to do some major commercials, uh, Red Lobster and Coca Cola and McDonald's and many others. And that was my main work was to do jingles when I first moved there and to get studio work. So that all happened before I became a backup singer and a solo artist. Wow, you're just so eclectic. And that was such a beautiful uh, line you sang for us. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. I love it when our guests sing. And, uh, you know, sorry to jump around here, but, you know, one of my favorite songs of yours is It Ain't Easy Being Easy, one of your 18 number ones. Uh, We don't get a lot of women singing the kinds of powerful songs that female country singers back in that day sang about. I mean, topics that women addressed in country music in the 70s, 80s, 90s, even the 60s was a little powerful, was so much more powerful, I think, than what's going on today. But to stop editorializing for a moment, how did you come to that song and what led to the decision to record it? I could imagine in the 80s, a song with that title is uh, <laughs> would have been a little controversial amongst uh, your group. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. evidently. I don't know. The, the producer thought that with my vocal style that I could pull it off. And he took me in the music room, and he had actually we went over to the publishing 
Mike's house, the writer's house, uh, right there on Music Row. And the writer sat there and played it to me on the piano. And I got chill bumps when I listened to it. I said, oh, this is a great song. Well, it had a lot of soul in it. And when I sing, I like to, to do a, a soulful licks with my vocal cords. And so it, it just matched. It just matched the feeling and everything. And the, the message is, it ain't easy being easy going back to a love that you know you shouldn't be near. So in other words, mm-hmm. your willpower gives out, and it's not so easy being strong. That's what the message is. Instead of the mm-hmm. term easy, easy, you know, easy. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think in one way. Right, <laughs> one man right. came up to me after show and said, well, what does that mean? It ain't easy being easy. And I said, well, if you listen to the lyrics, it means that it's, you know, it, it's not easy to give in and do what you know, go with someone you know you're not supposed to be with. You know, it's, it's not easy being that easy. But we all give in instead of holding back and using our willpower and saying, no, we know that's not right for us. That relationship isn't right or whatever. So that's what it's supposed to mean. Yeah, people just take things out of context a lot. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, thank you for explaining that. And uh, I, I wanted to uh, point out that uh, you were actually named the first female vocalist in country music to establish your own unique sense of fashion style. <clears throat> oh, yeah, really. I, <laughs> I didn't think about it like that. But yes, I had my own style of dressing and my own outfits that I would have created and made for me. And then I used the headbands. I would make my own headbands to match the fringy dresses or whatever that I had made. So, yes, I, I've always loved fabric and uh, design and style. Yeah. Do you think female country singers, there's this debate now about how much airplay country singers get now versus uh, female country singers get now versus the men. Do you think country singers today have it easier or harder than you had it in the 80s. And are you talking about gender, women versus men? If it's Yeah. If it's easier or harder now. Yeah. I have been asked that question so many times. It's funny you asked me about the gender thing. You know, is it easier for a man to get a hit record than a woman? Or is it easier mm-hmm. for him to do concerts and go on the road than a woman? And I think a man does have a stronger maybe a stronger uh, overall uh, lasting lasting strength because they can go on the road as tough as it is and they can stand up there and do a, a long concert and maybe endure it better than a woman because I think women are a little more fragile. But I mm-hmm. think as far as, um, because I know it's hard for me to work as hard as a guy works and I've seen a lot of guys do a lot of concerts and, and their energy is outlasting is outstanding whereas i think women uh, in my nature may not be as strong now some women might be but as far as selling ticket sales and um having luck with radio airplay and all that i really think it's all demographics it depends on Mm -hmm. what what the song says if the song reaches out to both men and women buying the records or listening to it on the on their computer or whatever it just depends how the song hits a guy or it hits a, a woman because people, men have different emotional levels than a woman has. A woman has a completely different emotional level when she hears 
a song being played and a guy may not relate to it at all. So, um, but as far as the fairness, uh, for both people working, I think, I think it's stretched out equally as well that a woman can get a job as well as a man doing a concert. Although I think the ticket buyers and the listeners and the people who want to spend money on all that could, could be, um, you know, your demographics, whether the girls want to come out and buy a ticket and go to a concert together or whether the guys just want to go out and hear a concert. It just, you know, it's just all depends. It's, there's really no magic answer to, to, uh, to that. Yeah, definitely. And I know that a lot of men aren't able to release a uh, complete hits album featuring 41 tracks like you have done. Uh, you've got duets with uh, Charlie Rich on there, Johnny Duncan, Merle Haggard, and Larry Gatlin. Tell us a little bit about uh, that album. That was a complete surprise when the record label notified me that they were putting this project together. I just about flipped. I could not believe that this was happening because those were all my songs collected in one LP, I mean, LP, I mean, in one CD and including the duets. Now, not all the duets are on there, but most of them are. There were a couple of duets that are left off of there that I wish could have been on there. Like for instance, Mo, Han Mo Bandy, It's a Cheating Situation and Vern Gosden. Yeah, Vern Gosden. Mm -hmm. um, I'll go on until the end was the name of the Vern Gosden song. So those were not included, but I'm really thankful for all the others. And I'm just thrilled because I can live the rest of my life with that CD, taking it on the road and singing the songs to the audience and, and uh, selling it after the concert. It's just great. Tell me a little bit about It's a Cheating Situation. It's one of my favorite songs, favorite country duets of all time, actually. It's just so emotional and so raw, and you feel the connection in the voices. How did that come to you guys? Where did that come from? And how did that recording go? Cause the chemistry's there. It was, it's beautiful. There again, I was on a roll doing duets in the studio with a lot of different singers. It was all happening mm -hmm. very quickly, one after another. And it started with the Johnny Duncan thing. And so then I guess it just kind of uh, influenced some of the other producers and artists, like for instance, Mo Bandy. And his producer, and I'm trying to remember where we did it and when we did it. I think it was in like 78 or 79 we did it. And um, mm -hmm. that song was just, I mean, once I heard it, I started singing my harmony line in the studio, working on my part of it. And it just came together so perfectly. And we've been playing that ever since. We do shows all the time together. And I come out and sing it in Mo's show, and we do the duet. And the audience loves it. It's just a great song. Whoever wrote it, I don't, I don't know who wrote it, but I love that song. And and looking at your uh, tour dates, they're uh, starting. Uh, you've got some starting in July now. Did I'm sure? Did you have any affected by this uh, this quarantine? Yes, we've had several shows uh, moved, maybe canceled. I'm not sure. I'm just trying to not let it worry my little brain right now so i'm just <laughs> i'm just pretending that it's all going to work out in the end but fortunately in february i have like five concerts which is more than i've ever done in one month and it was another miracle to be able to work that much uh was just great so it's okay that i'm off for a while now and hopefully we can resume um the one in june in branson missouri has already been moved to the fall 
and then the one mm. in July up in Indiana. I hope that will stay on, but it is a theater, and you know those are all affected. It just goes on too much longer. They'll all be affected and moved or canceled. Yeah, and, and it looks like in uh, December you've got a Cowgirl Country Christmas tour. Uh, I see a couple dates already. Um, that sounds interesting. What's that going to be like? Well, right now as we speak, I'm getting ready to record a new album, which is Christmas music. And I've never done a Christmas album before. Oh, wow. So we will have that product ready to go in the fall, and then it'll prepare us for the December concerts and we thought well we'll just call it the cowgirl country christmas and i'll wear my red cowgirl hat and, <laughs> and i'll sing my christmas songs and we'll just all be having a happy christmas in december oh i think we're going to need a happy christmas after uh, after all of this and it's so good to know that you'll be there brightening the season and uh, that you're taking this time off enjoying it Janie, thank you so much for spending some time with us today to talk about your career and all of those wonderful milestones and what you're up to now. Thank you very much, and bless you, and we hope to see you down the road. I love that interview. That I love doing interviews like that because, as you heard, it, she just we went back to the beginning. We went way back to the beginning. We jumped around a little bit. A lot of these interviews we've been doing had been been about the isolation and the restricted movement and what artists are doing. This we talked about the career of a true icon in country music, and I love when we get to do that. Yeah, and I remember my first time in Branson in 93, I mm. remember seeing her billboard. I'm like, who is that? You know, I, I was nine yeah. years old, so I, I wasn't mm -hmm. into the older country like that. And then being able to talk to her all these years later, she was super sweet and uh, just really uh, enjoying enjoying life it sounds like so that that's what it's about you know absolutely well until next time i think we're gonna go enjoy some life ourselves i'm matt and i'm buddy thanks for listening to the music universe podcast and be sure to check us out at themusicuniverse.com have a good one uh -huh.